Morning, everybody. How you doing? Hope you're here for the first time today. Thanks for coming, checking out our church and sharing part of your morning with us. We are in our summer teaching series called Faith Works, where we're looking at a particular book in the New Testament called the book of James. The book of James is very short. It's only five chapters. You can read through it very quickly, but it's some of the most practical teaching in all of the New Testament about how we can take this faith that we say we have and turn it into something that actually works in our day-to-day lives. It's very relevant, so take time this week and read through the book of James. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep. I'd love it if you read along in there. The page numbers are on the screen. If you don't want to do that, just look at the screen. All the scriptures are on there as well. So please just uh, let them know. If you'd like to keep it, keep it. If not, just uh, stick it on the shelf on the way out after the service. We are in James chapter 3, the second part of it. We talked about the first part of it last week. And now we're up to a verse where he starts out asking a question. Beginning at verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now James, the writer of this book, is talking to us about how we can get and evaluate if we even have true wisdom. It's important to know that the people James is talking to in this book are people who have already said yes to Jesus Christ. They're already followers of Christ. They've already put their trust in him and would say, yes, I'm a Christ follower. And so he backs up and says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let me tell you what true wisdom really is. And we're going to look in depth at those six verses over the next few minutes. For my first 12 years of full-time ministry, I worked on college campuses, three different ones. And I worked directly with college students, helping them get to know who Jesus was and how he could really make their life better because that's where I found Jesus and I decided this is what I'm going to dedicate this part of my life to. And on a college campus, when you meet people who just go to school, come into school for the first time when they're freshmen, it's very rare to find one that actually knows what they're doing or knows what they want to do. Usually the questions are, why am I here? If, you, if I'd say to them, like I would in a freshman Bible study, why are you here? I don't know. Mom, Dad, they said I had to come to college, so hey, I'm here. When I was in college, I was in a very elite group of people. And I don't say this boastfully, but I was kind of set apart and a little bit elite because I was able to take four years of college, put it into six, and get it all done. Anybody relate to that? But as I got to know these students, when they would come in brand new and we would talk, they inevitably it got to the question of, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm taking all these classes that are just giving me facts, and I can 
it, I fail to see how these things can really make my life different. And if you think about it, when you got out of school, did you really use every class you ever took? Probably not. There were things that you had to take just to increase your breadth of knowledge, just to get experience, because that's what part of the college experience is all about. It's not just about getting knowledge. I remember one time I was, I was, my, my GPA was going a little lower than I would like, so I thought, okay, I got some electives. I got to pick an easy A here that anybody could get an A in. So I looked through the class listing, had this one elective, military marksmanship, and I was like, how hard could that be? Learn how to shoot a gun. It'd be kind of cool. So I got, I got in the class, got an A, and I learned how to shoot a gun. Now, you know, that doesn't come in handy as a pastor because it was 23 years later before I fired a gun, ever. But I got the knowledge of well, how do you do this? How do you take it apart? How do you put it together? How do you use a pistol? How do you draw it really fast? So I learned all that stuff. So, but college is not just about getting knowledge. It's also about getting experiences. It's also about learning how to make decisions, learning how to think for yourself, even though you may not use a lot of the stuff that you fill your mind with. So knowledge is not wisdom. We all could point to someone and say, that is a very smart person on some levels. They've got a lot of book smarts, but man, they don't know how to come in out of the rain. You've heard that before, right? Really sharp in some areas, and you would trust them with any mathematical theory or anything you wanted them to really think about academically. But if it came to something really like life applicable, you'd be like, don't ask that person. They have a lot of knowledge. There's dumb as a bag of hammers. I, I did okay in school. I, I, was, I was a decent student. I, I, you know, I, I didn't just squeak by. I did, I did pretty well. And, but still, I was duped one time. When I was eight years old, my uncle and I, my great uncle actually, were in the front yard of my grandparents' house passing a Frisbee. And he was a pretty old guy. At least he appeared to me at the time. He had gray hair, and so I thought he must be old. So we were passing the Frisbee back and forth. And I remember commenting on, wow, you really know how to do this. And he goes, son, I invented the Frisbee. I was eight years old when he told me that. Now, I went to school and told everybody, my uncle invented the Frisbee. It's in my family. The Frisbee is in my family. Ten years later, I was 18 years old. I was telling somebody that story. My mother overheard it, and she said, Son, your uncle did not invent the Frisbee. And I was like, yes, he did. And I was an adult. I was like, he did. He told me. She said, he was messing with you. I believed all that time, had the knowledge that my uncle from California invented the Frisbee. And if you would have asked me as a 15-year-old, I would have said, hey, I know how to play Frisbee because it's in my family. It came, you know, and I thought he was this famous guy because he invented the Frisbee. And I had all this knowledge, but I didn't have much wisdom. So knowledge does not equal wisdom. Morals do not equal wisdom. You can have great morals, but that doesn't mean you're wise. Now, wise people have great morals, but good morals does not necessarily mean a person is wise. I mean, you cannot even ever come in the door of a church building and you can have good morals. I mean, you can have good moral business practices that will keep you out of jail, that will allow you to make some money. And never, never open the Bible and see what God's word has to say about it. So wisdom is not just having knowledge. Wisdom is not just having good morals. So what is wisdom? If James is saying you've got to have this wisdom, then what is it? When the, in the verses I just read, it was originally written in Greek, and there's a little Greek word that is translated wisdom, and it's pronounced Sophia. 
And Sophia means broad and full intelligence, use of the knowledge in very diverse matters. Now, here's an easier way to say it. Wisdom is knowing what things are, knowing how things work, and knowing what to do about it. Wisdom is being in touch with reality and knowing how to respond accordingly. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate life well, knowing how to make decisions. Wisdom has a component of discernment with it. Everybody wants wisdom. If I said, how many in here would like to have wisdom? 100% should say, me. Why do we need wisdom? Well, we got tough decisions to make in life. Where am I going to go to school? Where am I going to live? Who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? How am I going to be a parent to these kids that won't let up? You know, how am I? I need wisdom. We all need wisdom in all areas of our life. Everybody wants it. That's a given. We need wisdom to truly succeed. Wisdom's important stuff. This, this might be the most important section in the whole book of James. This, this advice from him to get wisdom and to be able to figure out who's wise and who's not and to be able to self-evaluate. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Proverbs and it's written by, by King Solomon who wrote about 3,000 different Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Now, it's a little deeper than just understanding, like knowledge. It's discernment. Though it costs all that you have, get discernment. He's saying, get wisdom, learn how to make decisions. doesn't matter what it costs, because if you have those two things, you will be able to navigate life in a way that people who don't have those things won't be able to. So no matter what it costs, we need to grab hold of wisdom, and we need to grab hold of discernment. So James, in teaching this group, this church, these Christians in the first century, in teaching them, he starts off with a question. He just finished talking to these people about, this is how you're supposed to use your tongue, your talk. We talked about that last week. Basically what James says, if you can't say really good things and good things come out, then just keep your mouth shut because it reveals what's really on your heart. So then he says, who is wise and understanding among you. Let them show it, let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So that first question, who's wise and understanding among you? And he anticipates that somebody's going to say something like, me, I'm wise, I'm understanding, I'm the one that's smart. But, but James says, well, hold on a second. Let him show it. And the way that, put that verse up there, the James 3 that I was just reading. Who's wise and understanding? And there's a bunch of words after that, let him show it by his good life. Well, the way that the, the original language, Greek, which is what the book of James was written in, the whole New Testament was written in, the way he's really saying this, if it said it like verbatim, it would say, who has wisdom among you? Show me. That's what he says. Show me. Don't tell me about your wisdom. Show me your wisdom. So who has wisdom and understanding? And people are probably saying, I do. I'm wise. I have understanding. And James says, don't tell me about it. Show me. 
Show it in the way you talk. Show it in the way you act. Because we'll be able to see whether or not you have wisdom before you ever open your mouth. You don't have to say anything. And people can look at your actions and tell if you have wisdom. My deeds display, will display my wisdom. My deeds will also display my lack of wisdom. So who is wise? James says, don't, don't say it. Show me that you're wise. Imagine if I pulled a jump drive out of my pocket and I said, guess what? We just recorded the last six months of your life and you didn't know it. Other than the room clearing out, if I took it back there and I said, Craig, stick that in the computer and let's put it up on the screen the last six months of this person's life. And you can't say a word. Let's just say it's my life. And I can't say a word, can't say anything. You would be able to tell, is this person wise or not, by the fruit, by the way they make decisions, by the way they treat other people, without them saying one word. See, if you have to tell somebody you're wise, you're not wise. That's not the way it works. Wisdom is not something you have to tell people about. They just see it. And when we saw your video played on the screen, would we say, wow, what a wise person, or that's an idiot, don't be like that. It would be one or the other, and the truth is it would probably be a little bit of both in all of our lives. But James is saying, if you want to know who's wise, look at their life. If you want to self-evaluate, am I wise, look at my life. James is talking about how we make decisions. He's talking about discernment. Because we all have to make decisions about life. The hallmark of wisdom is not knowledge. It's not knowing a bunch of stuff. The hallmark of wisdom is humility. True wisdom is characterized by humility. Now you might say, well, great, I'm humble. (laughs) I got that one. I actually had this happen. I'm sitting in a Bible study one time. It was actually a college Bible study. And a freshman kid said, we're talking about humility, and he's like, I'm the most humble guy that I know among my group. And, and I was like, later pulled him aside. I was like, dude, listen, if you have to tell people you're humble, you're not, okay? Humility is not something you proclaim. It's something we determine by the way you act. So if you've ever had to tell anybody you're not humble, it's not working. Humility is something we can look at your life and say, there is a humble person. In the book, Deep Survival, the author went, went and interviewed a bunch of people who had been through very difficult times. And the tagline of the book is, who lives, who dies, and why? People who had been through plane crashes, fires, kidnapping, avalanches, all of these disasters, or extreme sports, like he interviews one guy that, that the hang glider didn't work and the parachute didn't open. And what, what allowed these people to survive? It was very interesting what he determines in the book. What allowed people to survive that made it through these very difficult things was humility. So he interviews all these people and he says the common characteristic of all these people who survived is humility. Now I would have thought maybe a first aid kit, a gun, a cell phone, that would get me through a lot. 
this author says, nope, it's humility. And in the book, he interviews this extreme sports instructor, primarily hang gliding. There's a lot of deaths in hang gliding, if you didn't know. It's dangerous. Updraft, downdraft, slammed into a mountain, you're dead. And so he's asking him, what, what ha- tell me what people think that really make those mistakes. And the instructor says this, the most dangerous person is not the new guy or the inexperienced guy, but those who know just enough to think they know it all. So the person who does not have humility is the most dangerous person. So if you don't have humility, you don't have wisdom. And James clearly says, all I have to do is look at your life and see how how you make decisions and how you treat other people. And then I can tell, do you have wisdom or not? Lack of wisdom is seen by our deeds. And James says so. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, when James says, who's wise and humble? Me. That's me. People raising their hand. I'm, I'm the wise one. I'm the humble one. Well, what about the selfishness and envy? Well, that's other people. That's not me. Go get them, James. Get those bitter, selfish people. Say stuff to them that's going to really convict them. It's always somebody else. And in this verse, in verse 14, he's talking about people who are driven. Because ambition is a very good thing. The drive to do something, the drive to accomplish, and the drive to make a difference. But James is saying, when that becomes selfish, or you insert jealousy into it, then you've got a problem. See, in some circles, selfish ambition is celebrated. It's great to be, have selfish ambition. Just go for it. Just claw your way to the top. Just get whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you leave in your wake. It doesn't matter who you have to step on. Just get there. And in some circles, that's like, great job, buddy. You made it. That's great. And James is saying, that's not wisdom. In fact, he says there are things that look like wisdom, but they're not. In verse 15, such wisdom, air quotes, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So he's saying what what you think is wisdom is really from the devil. Some translations say demonic. It's earthly. If it's from the earth, then it's not from God. So he's saying you think it's wisdom. You think it's smart. You think it's good. But it's not. See, that kind of wisdom starts with me. The kind of wisdom he's talking about here that's in quotes, it starts with me. It's when you evaluate yourself based on, I wonder how, they're, they're doing well, so I should be doing well. And since, since they're doing well and I'm not, then I don't like them. Since she's beautiful and I'm not, God, let her get hit by a bus. Since they have and I don't, then they need to give me what they have. That's what selfish ambition leads to. And James says it's from the devil. That's when it's all about me. You can do a self-evaluation. If it was your video up, would we be seeing 
ourselves take steps that made us feel better, regardless of how it made anybody else feel? Would we, would we make career moves or relationship moves just for us because it's how we feel? Or would we do the right thing and consider the spiritual? And only one of those has wisdom in it. And you might be thinking, well, I think I'm a wise person. James would say, great. Here is the fruit of fake wisdom. It's disorder. It can also be translated instability. The fruit of fake wisdom is instability. So, is there instability in your marriage, in other relationships? That's somebody's fruit. Maybe you're a victim and, and it, was, it was caused by somebody else, but that is somebody's fruit. Maybe it's your fruit. Maybe it's somebody else in the relationship. But if there's instability, it's a fruit of somebody's fake wisdom. Wherever instability exists, there's fake wisdom. And James says that is from the devil. See, everybody loses in a climate of instability and disorder because God is not in it. So James characterizes these group of people who are not humble. They believe they're wise, but they're not. In fact, they're unstable people because of their decisions. So he says, if you want to know what real wisdom is, in the next verse he doesn't use a quote, like not real wisdom, but you call it wisdom. Here's real wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now, if the, if the video played, would that verse describe the last, say, six months of your life of pure and peace-loving, considerate? submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere? Or would it be the other verse where James says the fake wisdom comes from? There's a clear distinction in these verses between real wisdom and fake wisdom. And it's our choice. And James says, who's wise and understanding? Just show me. Just let me have a look at your life, James would say, and I can tell you who the wise and understanding people are. The Apostle Paul, another writer in the New Testament, said this in the book of 1 Corinthians, talking about wisdom, because we need to know what wisdom is. We don't want the fake stuff, we want the real stuff. So where, where do we get it? How do we get a hold of it so we know what things are and how they work and what to do and how to respond? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, It is because of him, meaning God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So if you want to know wisdom, and you want to have wisdom, then you don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus Christ because he personifies wisdom. He's not just a wise teacher. He is wisdom. So the, the closer I am to him, the more discernment, the more wisdom I'm going to have. So if there's instability in relationships in my life, that's because somebody, me or someone else, 
has not really consulted the true source of wisdom. So anywhere in my life, things are unstable. There's lack of wisdom going on by somebody somewhere. What would happen if, if in every area of our lives, just one by one, we said, you know what, Jesus is the source of wisdom. He is wisdom. So I'm going to align this part of my life with him. How would you make different decisions? There's some uns- it's not stable right now in this part of my life, maybe relationally or even vocationally and you're, you're, spiritually, and you're thinking, gosh, things are just unstable. Well, how would it look if you really practice wisdom that comes from humility? That means considering other people ahead of your own wants, needs, and desires. That means taking the gifts God has given you and not just use them for yourself, but to use them to make a difference in other people's lives. When that happens in every area of our life, then somebody can look at our life and say, that is a wise person. Doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean we don't mess up, doesn't mean we don't make stupid mistakes. It means that when we are trying to discern what do I decide in this situation, my wants, needs, and desires just kind of fade away. And what comes to the top is the wisdom that only comes from the humility that only comes from Jesus Christ. Just imagine how much easier it would be to be what James says in, in, chapter, in verse 18 of chapter 3. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And peace is not just the absence of war. The root word for peace literally means to join. So if you want to have a harvest of peace in your life, what do I need to join together? Is it, is it my life? with the wisdom that comes from Jesus Christ. And remember, he's talking to people who already know Jesus, who've gotten off track. You want to join two things together, your life and the wisdom of Jesus Christ. That brings peace. Let your wants and needs and desires fade to the background and just bring it together with the wisdom that comes only from knowing Christ. Then, then, wisdom is knowing what things are, how things work, and knowing what to do about it. That's like, okay, I get it now. If I want discernment, then I have to trust in the one who has all wisdom and who is wisdom. Now, in this room, there are, there's two groups of people. There are those of us who already know Christ and we've followed him and, and we've made really bad decisions and done things without any discernment. And you know what we need today? Because when I was evaluating myself as I was preparing this message, I was like, wow, that was a stupid decision. I really didn't trust Jesus for that decision. That wasn't right. That wasn't wise. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? I needed to spend some time just saying, God, I'm not wise in every decision. And I need to align and join my discernment in my life more intimately in every area with you. And I prayed, God, please help me do that. And I want to do that for you today. I did this first service. I'm going to sit right here when the band comes up and plays in a few seconds. And if you want to pray and say, I just need wisdom in this area, you don't have to give me all the details unless you want, but I will pray for you right here because that is the beginning of humility that's going to lead us to the wisdom that only comes through Christ.
Now, some people in here are another group, like, you're still just checking this church thing out, and you're like, dude, I'm not going to come up and pray with you. It's kind of weird. But just go out to the info booth, talk to Rob Perry, the site pastor here, and we would love to meet you and talk to you more about what it means to really get to know who Jesus is, the source of all wisdom. So as everybody else is leaving, if you just feel like, I've I've really been making some bonehead decisions. If that was my life on the screen, it would be characterized by no wisdom. I need to pray for that. Then walk down here and let's pray for a minute or two. And God will will start to bless you in ways you never thought possible. So wisdom, who's wise and understanding among you? As James would say, show me. You don't have to show me. You don't have to show Donnie. Show God by your life or the way you make decisions, or the way you discern. Let's pray. God, the way you make it so obvious uh, in your word uh, humbles us, convicts us. And as we continue to look at the teachings in the book of James, Father, may you show us the areas of our life where we need wisdom. May we trust in Jesus for that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.